and welcome to the No Limit Jumper podcast. I'm your host, J-Man, a.k.a. James. I'm with one of my co-hosts, Hunter Murphy, diehard Celtics fan. Great NBA mind. Hunter, what is up? Nothing much, man. You know, Celtics are in the finals, so not, not too much to complain about right now. I'm just enjoying it all, taking it all in, hoping we can get a dub back home. Absolutely. Sorry for the, sorry for the break in the episodes. I know, um, we've been trying to cover um, the NBA playoffs. We will definitely be up to date with uh, the NBA finals. Um, NBA finals is now series is tied one to one. Hunter, what are we going to get into first? I mean, this has just been an interesting series as far. I mean, we could, I kind of feel like we can skip past game one. Yeah. Because that's kind of now in the rear view. We're looking at 1-1 as the complete series after two games. I kind of want to more so talk about game two, and I really, really want to touch on Draymond and what went on with that whole technical situation. Obviously, he got that first technical, I think, after uh, he, like, wrestled the ball away from Grant after the play or something. They gave him the tee for that. Um, He was getting up in Tatum's face. He was yelling at the refs. He was obviously getting in Jalen's face. He was talking trash to everybody, talking trash to Grant. He told Grant, uh, you want to be me? You wish you were me when he was shooting free throws. Like he was, he was playing his Draymond mind games and props to him. He knows what he can get away with and, and he gets away with it. He knows how to play his role. Um, but I just feel like in any other situation, that little scuffle with Jalen would have been called a, a double technical. It's the regular season. If it's any other playoff series, it's not the finals. And if it's not Draymond, that's a double technical 100% of the time. Um, and I felt like he just got away with so much, not only just that technical, but illegal screens. And, and, I, and obviously we didn't lose the game just because of the reps, because, uh, you know, we lost by 20 points. We were down 30 heading into the fourth, but it definitely had an impact on the game, got into our players' heads based on the comments that they made after the game. That's kind of what it seemed like. Um, maybe we can get into that afterwards. But, yeah, what did you think of the whole Draymond thing? Um. When I saw that game get extra chippy, I just thought that, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Like, Draymond is scared. Um, he's intimidated, number one, because why else would you act like that and get up in everyone's face uh, if you're trying to send a message? Um, I mean, I think the Golden State Warriors have a lot more to lose than the Boston Celtics right now just because, you know, they've been there before. They're trying to do it, one, without KD. Um, They got back there without KD, and they're trying to make people realize, like, hey, we were already there before KD. Now this team, with a little bit of more pieces added around it, without KD, got back to the finals. Game one, they kind of got – they kind of got the the morale kicked under them, and they just – kind of jump-started back into it, everything. And now I think the Warriors are actually taking the Celtics seriously, and it all starts with Draymond. Now, obviously him being chippy, that um, that play on Jalen Brown should have been called a tactical. I don't know. I don't know why that wasn't really looked into. But, I mean, I've seen, I've seen more questionable things happen to the Boston Celtics throughout this playoffs. Um, but – Needless to say, I mean, Steph even said it. Um, Draymond's energy was definitely a lot better in game two, and I just feel like 
Draymond is taking this Boston Celtics team more seriously and him getting up into his face. I mean, you've seen it when we play pickup, those certain guys who are getting up into your face, talking shit, everything like that. They're scared. They, 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 they need to find something to get themselves going. And they think getting into the other players heads going to do something. But honestly, like I expected Boston to lose game two. I mean, if they lost, yeah. if they won game two, that would have been a, that would have been a very big statement, but I mean, the thing is, is Draymond didn't really do anything special offensively. Um, he was just a big presence defensively, and he's going to get up in your face. And one thing I found interesting is, I mean, he started this whole podcast thing, and I just think it's very weird to hop on a podcast hours after the after a game when you're supposed to. I don't know. I just I don't know. Um, I think I think what Al Horford said about him too is is sending a message like we don't care about what you're saying i think watch for al horford watch for al horford the next game because if you remember from the milwaukee series uh when he got in that little scuffle little beef with with Giannis, how that turned out and Giannis is a lot better and a lot bigger than draymond so i think you're gonna see a lot of chippiness on the place of the celtics in the next game especially versus draymond because and i saw somebody tweet this today they said um I don't think Draymond understands who this who this team is. This isn't the type of guys that you can just bitch. Like you can just do whatever you want to, and they're not going to respond. Like the Celtics are seeing everything he's saying. They've they're watching the tape. They all went through everything that just happened. They know every game is not going to be rough like that. Um, obviously, in, in in reference to that, Tatum had a, a quote after the game where he said, <clears throat> "I felt like when we tried to match their uh, physicality, we weren't given the benefit of the doubt," which. I agree. Watching the game, the Warriors were allowed to be very chippy on defense, set very hard screens, um, things of that sort. And on the other side, the Celtics weren't able to. And I saw a lot of people talking about the Celtics shooting. Uh, I can't. If it was fifteen of fifteen or something from two. They were like, you know, thirty something percent from two. And a lot of that comes from a lot of these layups that they took that they were getting hacked on. And you're, you know, getting no calls. I mean, Tatum, for example, was. I mean, he was getting absolutely pounded when he was going into the paint was getting nothing again i'm not going to blame it on the refs the biggest reason that we lost was the carelessness of the ball the turnovers um and i think the reason for that is draymond was getting into everyone's head um the refereeing was getting into people's heads i think that the celtics based on their body language and the way they were talking to the refs and the way they were acting kind of knew how the game was going to go out before it even started um and that showed towards the end of the third quarter it kind of looked like they were just like you know let's let's get back to Boston and let's let's turn this thing around. I think everybody's a little upset about how the game played out and I think we're going to see a very different Boston team on Wednesday. Um, I do want to talk about the coaching battle that we have right now a little bit because we have two guys from the Popovich tree. Obviously Steve Kerr, legendary coach on the Golden State side and Ime Doka, first year coach on the Boston Celtics side and what do you think so far of the of the coaching battle? Who do you think has had the upper hand thus far? Honestly, I think um, Ime Udoka has had the upper hand just because it's his first year coming in with this type of group. And what he's been able to do with this group is just, I mean, we haven't seen, we haven't seen someone take control of a team as quick as he has since Doc Rivers in 2008. And that's just facts. Um, yeah, and Doc, and Doc, and Doc had Doc was already there. He was already coaching Pierce and stuff. So you know what I mean. Like the, those guys got integrated into into his system that was already in place. Whereas 
Ime literally came and implemented a brand new system with a group of guys who were all already there, but playing under a different system. So I find it to be even, even more impressive. And I know that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have played alongside him in the all-star game. Um, I think he was an assistant coach um, and USA basketball, a de- definitely USA basketball. And they just clipped. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the difference between prior years and this year is that, I mean, I don't know if you heard, but I forgot his name, but he came out and said that when the Celtics were losing a lot of games that the team had a lot of egos and everything. I forget his name. but he Oh, that out. was uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez, I believe. Yeah, he came yeah, out he, and said that. That just came out the other day, yeah. Which is funny because it's true. That's the stories we were getting from the Celtics early in the season was that it's you know, the, the guys, Jason and Jalen and Marcus, were playing very eagle-like basketball. You saw a lot of ISO play. They weren't really buying into Ime's system. And then it got to a point after that next loss when we gave up a 25-point lead, and uh, I believe it was R.J. Barrett hit a buzzer beater. Um, might have, I think it was January 6th that that, that happened. And Ime Adoka finally laid into them. It was like enough is enough, and everyone decided, okay, we're going to buy into email system let's see how it goes obviously this system that we're playing is not working so let's buy in everyone bought in since then we i think we beat teams by 15 points per game since january 6th which by the way the season long record is 12.3 so if they were to carry that for the entire season not just half of it that's the best ever um so you can truly see how much they've really bought into that system and it's kind of confusing actually, because now that we're in the playoffs, we've noticed a lot of these games um, specifically in the heat series. And you could even say last night to an extent where they're falling back into that old style of not moving the ball as much, not communicating as much on defense. And you're seeing a lot of the turnovers um, that we didn't see really in the second half of the year. So it is interesting how they have bought into that system, but when the pressure really gets put on, they do kind of fall back into that thing that they're really more used to. Um, and that's going to be a learning curve that they're going to have to get past over the over the next couple of years. I don't think that's going to solve itself in this series. You're probably going to see another game, maybe two, where the Celtics have 15 plus turnovers and they're just looking sloppy. But that's what they do sometimes. However, the other thing they do is after those games, they come back and they always win. I think we're seven or eight and zero after loss um, this postseason. So we'll see what happens Wednesday. But hopefully, we can continue that. Um, and we see some more clean, precise passing and better playmaking and guys making shots. Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously um, saying Steve Kerr doesn't have the upper hand doesn't mean it's a, it's, a, it's a knock at him. It just means that we're seeing more, we're getting to see more adjustments and, and inside look from Ime Udoka because this is a team that we've never seen in the finals, whereas – this Warriors team, we know what they're capable of. We know where their offense is. We know the system. We know the five out. We know that Curry's going to work work a lot off ball. We know that he's going to get screened a lot. Now Jordan Poole's another option. Um, so, I mean, we really don't expect much from Steve Kerr in this series. Um, and to go off of what Draymond Green had said after game one, he had said that, well, when – you got your role player shooting 15 to 23 from three. I mean, that's pretty much the game. Well, we could say the same thing with this game. Jordan Poole went for 17. Clay Thompson had 11. Um, I think. Andrew yeah, Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson was. T- I mean, he was terrible though. Yeah. Clay Thompson was bad, but Jordan Poole was really good. Wiggins had a decent game. Um, I mean, he had it going really early, but 
it was mostly Steph, a little bit of pool. Um, Otto Porter did his work. You know who was really good was Gary Payton. Um, the second was very, very good for them, especially on the defensive end. Um, I think, though, when you really take a, take a look at the game and break it down, 33 points off of turnovers the Celtics had. So take that away. In the half court, that Golden State amazing offense only scored 70, 74 points. If the Celtics can limit turnovers, I don't see a way that the Golden State Warriors in the half court can score efficiently against our defense. They really can't. It's too much size, too much speed, the switchability. Derek White has been great on Steph. Again, most of his points were scored in, in the transition. Um, a lot of threes, uh, wide open looks that he got. Um, Jordan Poole, too, did a lot of front running. All of his points came and they were already up by 20 points. Um, so it, it's not like he's been doing anything when, when the pressure's on. So far, he's not shown much. Clay has been really bad. Uh, again, I just think it's another case of what we saw in the Heat series, what we saw a lot in the Bucks series, the Celtics beating themselves. And that's no disrespect to the Warriors. They did a job in helping the Celtics do that by being uh, putting a lot more pressure on them than they did in game one, playing harder. But how long can they sustain that for being an older team? Can they do that for seven games if the Celtics push them there? Are they going to be able to keep up with the younger team in the Celtics? And that's, I mean, that's if Marcus Smart can get right. That's if Rob Williams can get right, which I really don't know about Rob. He looks like he's about 60% to me right now, and I don't really see it getting any better, um, especially with the one-day break in between three and four. There's not a two-day break, so he's only got that one day. Um, Marcus, I think, only played 24 minutes last night. Uh, granted, really no starters played in the fourth, but you didn't see him out there a lot at all. And when he was out there, he didn't look great. Al looked tired. He had some careless turnovers, which you never see from him. And he only, I think he only took one shot, maybe. Uh, I only saw him take one shot about a few minutes into the third quarter, a little hook that, that he missed. Um, so he looked invisible. Jalen Brown came out really hot. I think he was four for four to start off and he ended up five or six of 17 or something like that. Um, so just cold after the first quarter. Jason Tatum was really the only one who kept it going, but even him from inside of the three-point line was two for 10. Uh, granted, a few of those, I think, were some that he should have been shooting free throws, but you're not always going to get those calls and you got to play through it, and that's something that he needs to get better at. Um, what do you think is going on with, with Marcus? Do you think it's still, I mean, it's the ankle, the quad, the foot sprain. He's got all these injuries. Do you think he's just not 100%? Do you think the do you think he's doesn't have a lot of energy because of how much he's expending in the defensive side to to help a lot offensively or what do you think is going on there? I think um no, I never question his energy because he always comes out and he's always focused. Now I think it has something to do with the injury and how much of the offensive load he has to take care of, especially bringing the ball up the court. Um I've seen a couple of times that um He's the only ball hander on the court at times. And it's a lot of responsibility to take the ball up the court every single possession. And yeah, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can take it up, but they work better off ball. And Marcus Smart is trying to get them in better situations. And it's, it's really tough because you have to rely on Peyton Pritchard to come off the bench. You have to rely on Derek White to try to take the ball up. I mean, this team is lacking a second ball handler and someone sure. not saying that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can't handle the ball, but someone who you can trust with the ball in their hands at all times to take it up the court. And I think he is giving a lot, a lot defensively, and that's taking away from what we've seen on the offensive end. But 
honestly, um, going back to Robert Williams for a second, I mean, if he just gives, if he's just on the court for 10 to 12 minutes, I mean, that, that's the difference to me. Cause I was going to say, I think we talked about um, me and you talked about this in the last series when we were talking about the heat, how they should run that Derek white, Marcus smart, um, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then Al Horford and then switch out Al and, and Grant as need be. Um, and then get Rob in there for 15, 20 minutes. Cause one, the double big lineup is not working against the Warriors. There's too much movement. There's too much speed. Rob can't keep up with some of these guys, especially with the injury. Um, I think he really should only be coming in, in those loony minutes to try to, you know, uh, stop the offensive rebounds that the Warriors have been getting those second chance points have been killing us. Mm-hmm. So we need him in some capacity and to stop layups and stuff. But I think that that small lineup is our best lineup on the floor and it's proven. So that's the lineup we had in the fourth quarter that we went 40 to 16. Every time it's on the floor, you know, we do really well with it. You can throw Tatum on, um, on Draymond, you can throw Al on Looney and then, you know, throw the other guys around. You got Derek white. I would actually rather put Derek white on Steph. He's been a lot quicker chasing him around and has actually played him better defensively than Marcus, I think, just because Marcus is hurt right now. And Marcus would be better on somebody like Clay because he's still quicker than Clay and can defend him. And then you have Jalen playing off on Wiggins. Um, I think that's a great matchup. I, I would love to see that small lineup start the game. I think it's a lot faster. Um, you'll see less less turnovers, better defense. I just think the double big lineup isn't going to work against the speed the Warriors have in it would be better to limit Rob to those 15, 20 minutes that he can be impactful instead of trying to put him on there for 25, 26 minutes where he's those last seven, eight minutes. He's really just a body on the floor. Um, he looked really good game one, but last night, man, he looked 50, 60% truly. And I think, um, I think in order for this series to really be more competitive, I think Grant Williams needs to be more consistent and be more. What happened to him, dude? Exactly. Like what happened to him after the Milwaukee series? I mean, it's not even like just this, this series, like the heat series he did, he was invisible. I don't remember anything that he did in the heat series. Granted, it seems like he may cut his minutes down a lot. And I don't know if it's, match matchups or something but i mean he played so well in that milwaukee series and then to see him kind of fall back to the average almost of what he was doing during the regular season instead of continuing to step it up it's been disappointing so hopefully yeah hopefully he sees more minutes and and he can make some impact i mean i really would like to see him match up with with draymond and put a body on him and, and really not allow him to be physical with us like he was with Giannis. yeah and I think that he's just doing too much. I mean, in the Milwaukee series, he was playing his role. He was getting to his spots. He was sitting in the corner. He was coming off the screens. He was making the right passes. Now I just feel like he's getting the ball and he's trying to force his way into the paint when it's not there. Um, and I guess with the emergence of Derek White in this series specifically, like, I think, I don't know. I think the Celtics biggest problem was like you just said, like they beat themselves and they try to get out of each other's way and everything. And um, without Horford too, I know um, one of the things that we wanted to talk about is if he's tired or not. I think he's giving 110% in this. He is. No, a hundred percent. But my question was just like, I mean, he's 36. Yeah. The fact that he's giving it, giving it his all every single night like that, 
obviously he's going to continue to give his 100%, but how much is his 100% still? You know, he's not like he was in the Milwaukee series. He's been beaten up during the whole Miami series and they're physical with him last night. Um, and again, as that was the first game this playoffs that I felt he had zero impact defense, offense. It just felt like he was invisible. And I don't know if it's the way that they played him contesting him more and not giving him open looks if he's in his own head because of the Draymond comments or what, I, I truly feel like Draymond was really in everybody's head last night and they're going to, there's going to be a response to that on, on Wednesday. Um, at least I hope so. That's what I expect from this team. That's what I've seen from them thus far. And uh, hopefully it's Al himself because he's kind of been the enforcer, so to say, of the team this playoffs. Um, I'd like to see him come out and be aggressive and put, maybe post up Draymond, you know, really, try to alpha male him in a way like Draymond was doing to us last night. Cause that's what he did, man. He, he put on an alpha male performance, regardless of the 30 fouls he had that weren't called or the technical foul that should have kicked him out of the game. He knew what he was going to get away with. And he played that role perfectly. And he trolled the Celtics all night. I mean, he was talking trash to Ime. He was walking past him, talking trash to him. I mean, it was wild. So Celtics fans are going to be booing him hard on Wednesday, and we'll see how the Warriors come out and respond. First finals game in TD Garden in uh, 12 years, so it's going to be real, real loud in there. So what I think with Al Horford is that now he has games where he's very, very productive, and then he has he has one one or two games where he's just consistent. So I feel like I feel like this game he was kind of feeling stuff out, and I think he definitely is tired, even though he's in great shape for his age. Um, and I think he needs to do more work down low instead of sitting around the perimeter because, first of all, he's more he's more physical and athletic than Kevon Looney. He's taller. He's got more height. If he just put a body on even Kevon Looney or Draymond Green, I would love to see the Draymond Green um, uh, Al Horford matchup and then slide Grant Williams if he's in the game on Kevon Looney and see if that works. Um, but I think, you know, game three, it's in Boston. I think everyone's going to play better, like 6-7-0 and oh after a loss. Um, it's going to be very tough for the Warriors to try to uh, to win, win a game in Boston. Now – the thing is, is what's different from all the other series that we've seen from the Celtics and then this series is that we jumped out of one game one where we lost game one every single series. Not every single series, but the last two series, we lost game one. We really should have lost game one in the first series, too. We won off a buzzer-beating pirouette <laughs> light-up from Tatum, so we got lucky there. But I feel like now what I've been seeing is I feel like we're – the Celtics are centering in on everyone else and kind of letting Steph Curry do his thing. And that's yeah. They're and not the thing that they're not doing that every other team has done is they're not double like they haven't doubled him, blitzed him at all. And really I mean, a little bit, but but I mean, really not at all. They're just switching. And for the most part, it's done a pretty good job. Again, most of his points are in, in transition. He's having a hard time. I mean, even last night, I think he had 29 points, but he, his field goal percentage was bad. He was under 50 percent under 40% maybe, like it wasn't great, but he's still going to get his, but you're right. They're not keying in on him. They're letting him do his thing. 
And I just feel like they're they're okay with Steph Curry going off. And yeah. they're like, okay, beat us. Beat us with Jordan Poole. Beat us with Klay Thompson. Beat us with Andrew Wiggins. And that's just not happening. And, yeah, they ran away with the game the other night or uh, Sunday night. But, I mean, it was ma- the majority of it. It's like, okay, like, if the, war- if, if the Warriors are going to beat us, Steph Curry needs to beat us. And going into another point, um, Jordan Poole has played terribly. Klay Thompson has played terribly. They can't get off a shot. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's Klay Thompson's injury because he's more than capable of bouncing back. And he's more than he capable. He just dropped 32 in the close-up game in the last series. Like, he's – it's exactly. not his health. He's just not – he doesn't have that first step anymore. And especially against the Celtics, he can't get past anybody. And I think um, Jordan Poole un- being undersized in that lineup with Steph Curry, having J- a guy like Jalen Brown on it. And it's like, no matter what, you're going to get hit with a great defender by Boston. Yeah, Boston's defense is crazy. It's like – One through five, dude. They can guard every position. It's amazing. Like, I saw one possession where Jordan Poole got bumped by Jalen Brown, tried to go to the three-point line, got bumped by Derek White, then came down to the paint, got bumped by Al Horford, then tried to get a shot up, and he couldn't. It's like, do you know how hard that is to withstand trying to, especially trying to run, even with Steph Curry, trying to run through screens, trying to run through these guys? Like, the Celtics are very attentive. And I love what Ime Odoka is doing, putting an emphasis on the defense, because I have never seen this type of defense before, where everyone's talking, everyone's at least, at least when the cutter's going by, they're putting an arm up and they're putting a body on somebody, at least being like, hey, I'm here, I'm here. So it's like that's the different type of um, – that's the different type of energy that we are seeing with this Boston team. And even though that the Warriors won by double digits, it's like there was levels to why they lost. And like you just said, those plays that are getting chippy, like um, the, the Boston Celtics were trying to match the Golden State Warriors – and they couldn't do it up into an extent. Like, Warriors were getting away with, with a lot more things. So, I just think in Boston, it's going to be a whole different vibe. Um, it's going to be a close game, whether we like it or not, because, you know, Draymond's going to be talking. It's going to be chippy. Steph Curry's going to do his thing. We might even see Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson gets out to a good start, I don't know. I mean, I expect, I expect a lot more movement with the Warriors. I feel like Steve Kerr's going to – really key on key in on trying to play the five out, trying to drive kick, um, set screens. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Draymond handled the rock for um, probably 80% of the time too. Expect to see, I'm telling you, I I mean, listen, I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not right all the time. I'm wrong a lot, but I don't see Draymond having any impact on game three. I think they're going to key in on Draymond and try to send a message. This is the type of team that's going to send a message. You think Ime's not in that locker room right now, ripping into those guys, telling them that Draymond just punked them, and if they're going to let that happen, or are they going to come out on their home floor and allow that to happen again? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm thinking you're going to see this series is about to get a lot chippier than it even was in the, in the last game. Um and I expect to I expect to see Draymond keyed in on, especially not allowed to move around too much, not allowed to get easy passes off. Um, you know they're going to let him shoot his three if he's got it, but past that they're not going to let him get into the middle of the paint and, and you know scan around and move the ball like he does. Um, try to stop him from setting those off ball screens, those off ball actions. I 
think Steph is going to have a big game like he has been. But if the Celtics can limit them to, say, 15 to 17 points off of turnovers instead of 33, they're going to see the Celtics win. I, I don't – I truly – and, I mean, somebody please tell me if you do. I don't see a scenario where if the Celtics don't turn the ball over 15-plus times and the Warriors capitalize on that, that the Warriors have any way of penetrating that defense and, and scoring enough to beat the Celtics consistently another three times. I just – they would need to be hitting those transition threes over and over and over consistently three three games to beat the Celtics because they can't beat us in the half court. That defense is too, it's too tight. The communication is too good. Everyone can switch one through five. And as every game goes on, they're going to key on them. Everything that the Warriors are going to do even more and more. And the defense is just going to get better as the series goes on. I think that it ends up Celtics just wear them down. Um, Personally, I still think it's Celtics and six. That's what I've been saying since the beginning. Uh, I think if the Celtics clean up these two games at home, um, Warriors could get one back in their home court and come back to Boston, and I'd love to see the Celtics finish it up there. But that's how I see this playing out. Nothing from last night changed that for me. I'm actually normally one to overreact a lot uh, to losses and wins, and I'll go completely one way and then completely the other way. But right now, I feel I still feel really good about Celtics and Celtics and six. Um, the defense has looked really great. They just got to get that offense together. And a lot of it is self-inflicted. Warriors played them aggressively, and they weren't ready for it. They didn't match that energy, uh, and I think that's going to be a difference on Wednesday. Yeah, and just to end things off, I mean, um, it's just kind of crazy for me because I don't really know what's going to happen in this series, and I feel like I have a, I like it that way because I feel like. In every other series I've watched, I'm just like, oh, it's going to go this way. It's going to go that way. It's like, I honestly don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the series. I just have Boston in seven. And I have a feeling that they might split the series at home. They might send it back and everything. And I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston wins game seven on the road again. They've been doing that all. Oh, they can. Yeah, they can. You could be right. I mean, that's probably – that's more realistic than what I'm saying is that they they split one at home. Maybe then they go back to Golden State. The Warriors win, go up 3-2. Celtics go back home, win that one, and then it's, you know, it's a 0-0 series. Whoever wins that last game. And I would definitely take Boston in, in, in that. They've shown that they can win. I mean, listen, they've had two game sevens already, one on the road. They could do it again. They've proven they can win an Oracle too – or Oracle, sorry, Chase Center now. But, yeah. And to sum everything up and to end everything off here, it's – the Boston Celtics want it a lot more than the Golden State Warriors. The only person showing energy or the only two people that I see that are showing energy and passion for the game, obviously, is one, Draymond Green, and the other one, Steph Curry, with his play. Everybody on the Celtics, one through 17, I don't know, how, one through 15, whatever, they're all out there. The energy is, is great. They're playing like a team. They're all into the game, and it all starts with Marcus Smart, uh, getting all the guys ready. It's all about how Jason Tatum reacts. He's not He's not complaining about calls. He's playing with a fire. Jalen Brown yes. dialed in. Go ahead. Yeah, Tatum's emotions have been much better in this series already. I mean, even from last series, I think, although I do think he's feeling the pressure to be that guy in this series, and he's it's shown by his play. Even last night, um, didn't look super great, but 
I think he's going to get there. He's going to have that game that's going to unlock him for the rest of the series. But I, I do think, I mean, listen, 24 years old, I turn 25 tomorrow. So I know, like, I couldn't picture myself being in that situation. So it must be tough to be that age and be the center of attention of the whole entire basketball world. So I'm not going to be too tough on him for this series. Um, but I think you're right. His emotions have been much, much better. And if he keeps that in check and then brings the play up, um, you can see him take even that next level step to superstardom. So just cross your fingers and hope that happens. The Boston side of me wants the Celtics to win, but I really don't know. Um, so I don't have a prediction for uh, – I'm sorry to say, but I don't have a prediction of who's going to win this game just because I really don't know. Um, but, you know, I guess that's – we'll find out. Um, I got Celtics, 108. Warriors, 94. That's the prediction. Chalk it. Take that to the bank. There you have it. Um, we will be uh, staying up to date with the NBA Finals. Um, we'll give a game-by-game analysis. Um, I just don't like the, the two days rest in between. I, well, we're getting one, so – Wednesday is game three, and then just Thursday day off, and then we have Friday, and then it's two days off between the next. Kind of weird how when we go to Boston, it's a day rest, and then when we go to Boston, <laughs> it's, it's like, uh, you know, we can sit here, here and we can sit here Boston and stuff. There's too much. <laughs> we can sit here and discuss the series all. They put they put they put Zarpos and. Tony Brothers on the call for game two. So I already knew before the game started we were going to lose. So I don't even want want to talk about it. That's all we got for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the NLJ podcast. More episodes on the way. More from Hunter. More from me. Hunter, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Go Celtics.